without that, you're never going to get out of the, the weeds of MSP. You're always going to be doing the work. You're always going to get sucked back into the work. What's shaking? Welcome to All In Cyber. Today, my guest, he's been on my show All In with Rick Jordan twice now with a part one and part two around business and entrepreneurship today because he is president and CEO and business technology strategist at Mindcore Technologies. That's why he's on this show now to help kick this off. And, you know, he started in his basement and ended up being a su successful MSP in New Jersey. And Mindcore Technologies offers cloud services, managed services, IT consulting, and cybersecurity, disaster recovery, and more. Matt Rosenthal, brother, it's good to see you again, man. What's happening? I love this. This is the best talking to you. Thanks, man. <laughs> we, have so, we have so much fun. We, we talk about everything, man. Thanks we for do. having me back. Yeah, you bet. Today, we're going to dive into a lot of really what we do for our day jobs uh, and talk about our industry a bit. We, we hit that a little bit, I think, on, on, the, on All In with Rick Jordan, but we didn't dive into it this deep as far as how cybersecurity, where that realm is going right now and the transition of IT firms and how that's happening. That's what I'm excited to talk to you about today, man. So tell me a little bit about Mindcore to start off with, because I don't even think we got into that before. You know, just- uh, I don't know, we did. Yeah, so yeah, what, did. what was, where did it start and how did it transition into where it's at now? So where we're at now is you, you kind of touched on it before. We're business strategists and IT strategists. And, you know, it's, it's one and the same, but that was like an evolution. And I think what we're going to actually talk about today is how, how we evolve over the years through different um, business, different changes out there in, in the, in the field. Right. But we started, I started as a IT guy for a, a large company in New York city. Uh, didn't know anything about IT, you know, fast forward, I ended up running a crew of like 35 people, um, head of uh, IT for a $2 billion company uh, headquartered in New York City. Uh, I was the IT director, did that for, uh, for quite a while. <clears throat> Excuse me. While I was doing that, like everybody else, I had an IT gig on the side, right? Back when it wasn't like cool to have an IT gig on the side. So for me, the big transition was it was discovered that I had a side business by the company, which I wasn't impacting anything. I was like at the height of my career there. I couldn't really do any better. I was like the rising star. They find out that I have that business and it became an issue. So I quit, you know, long story short, I quit. And that was really the beginning of me finding out that I, I, I was an entrepreneur, which I didn't know. Uh, took the side business little by little, uh, turned it into what we have today. Took two pit stops along the way before I went full all in with IT. Because uh, when you grow up like poor kid, right? It's like multiple streams of income. Like it's, it's never enough because you could lose it any, any given time. I started a pool company, commercial pool company, out of nowhere, uh, built that up into a probably a $2 million business and I walked away from it. I had a partner because my IT business got to be just too busy, walked away from that. And uh, that was my final stop before I went full time into just doing this, what I have now. Um, there were two other stops also along the way. I was a CFO for somebody, uh, ran somebody's company in, in a kind of big way for about three years. And... Um, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes, took a, a little bit of a zigzag journey, but all along the way, the one thing that was consistent, I always had the IT gig going on and I always had more people coming my way. And it was never because I was the most technical person. It was because I was able to connect with people 
And this business I've built has been through connecting with people. There it is. Yeah, right on, man. It's interesting you talking about how you had several businesses at the same time because you were in IT. And uh, you know, we'll get to the cybersecurity portion here in a, in a bit, but there, I'm a member of a lot of groups on Facebook and there was a post I saw, it was in like the IT business owners group, I think was the name of it. And I, I engage here and there, but I never really actually post because I, I more like respond to, to what's being posted. And one of the things I saw was, you know, what's, uh, <laughs> I, I get asked this question all the time, anybody else, and apparently this happens a lot. It hasn't with me, but it's, uh, they said, well, if it was a customer or something asking this IT guy, you know, an MSP, well, if IT is your main business, then what's your actual side gig? <laughs> like saying like, like IT really is like the side gig. It is the side gig. Yeah, and because I mean, you had that. I mean, let, let's rewind because I was the same way, dude. I was like installing cable modems right when I was doing other things. You know, uh, b back in the days when when cable modems just came about, and they were one way cable modems at that time. You had the downstream, which was you know your faster speeds, you know, and it was like ten megabits or something like that. But then the upstream was still dial up. You know, because that was the 56K. Those were the first cable modems 20 years ago that I was installing when cable finally came around. I remember that. Yeah, exactly. You know, that was like the next step up from dial-up is you got cable coming one way because it still wasn't a bi-directional connection at that point. It was just one way. And But I, I've always had those sort of side gigs, right, in IT until I went all in with IT. But even with you having that, you know, that's the business that sort of took off for you while you still that's had a, a pool company. Show, by the way, all in. That's, 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 you should... You should you should do something with that. Uh, maybe I should. Yeah, maybe All a little in, bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, so that's when I saw this post, I was thinking it's like th that's really kind of how a lot of small businesses sort of see IT, right? And that's the, the phrase that we've had. It's like, well, who's your IT guy? You know, because it's also typically it's great now because there's more women that are getting involved in the space, which I love to see that man because they can see things a lot more abstractly and kind of put some puzzle pieces together that men can't. But so it's been male dominated and it's always been looked at as like a side hustle, like a one man show, you know, just like it's a gig rather than an actual business. And that's most of our industry still. You know, is, is sub 300K, sub 500K in revenue on an annual basis. So you went to a point to where you shifted, right? And there was an evolution of MindCore throughout the years. You're right about that. That is most of the industry still, I, I think. Um, I come up against them, as you may, when we're out there competing and, and they're bidding on something. And there's always a few people that are just, how could they be so cheap? Well, it's the one man band or, you know, one or two person shop that, doesn't have any overhead. And so, yeah, we started out that way, but you and I found a way to evolve because you have a vision. You're not afraid to go after your vision. You, you have a, a way to see a roadmap of how to get there and, and you actually build a business. But I think we're in the minority, not the majority. Um, and I think it's one of the reasons you do this show, right? We're going to hopefully there's information that gets out there to people that are in those situations. We talked about that on the last show. How do they break through the $1 million mark? You know, and it becomes have a vision, have a strategy, get past your fear and execute. But it's so hard to do. It's, it's not common. It's really not. Yeah, and there is a transition too, in, and then we'll get into actually how this correlates. I'd love to examine how this correlates to MSPs and cybersecurity and where that's going right now because it, there's 
there's the stage which you and I sound like we both started at to where it was a gig, to where it was just a job, right? We were no longer working for somebody else and then we were just doing the job for ourselves. Uh, and those we run across because we both do multiple millions a year in revenue now, but there's those we run across that were in our shoes to where they're still charging by the hour and they think, hey, I made, you know, 30 bucks an hour, you know, 60 grand a year as a tech for this other company. So I just need to bump that up just a little bit to pay for my taxes and I'm going to charge 45 bucks an hour. I'm going to charge $50 an hour or some I see 60, $65 an hour kind of settles in there. And it's like, and then that's where we might find some prospects that are like, you know, well, I can play this guy $65 an hour. And I just think, well, go ahead. You know, if that's, if that's where your mind's at, please feel free because that's the first stage of this business, you know, but then there's an evolution where you go into almost like a lifestyle business, right? You're doing six, 700 K a year. Maybe you're, you're still, you're approaching that million dollar mark in revenue, but you're not actually there yet. You're making a good living at that point. You might have a couple people that are working for you. You can, you can finally go buy the, the BMW or the, the smaller Mercedes if you want to as your daily driver. Right. And you feel comfortable. You've got a decent size, 3000, 3,500 square foot home and everything's kind of comfortable at that point. Right. And you're doing maybe 600, 700 K a year in revenue. And that's the point I was at when that whole transition happened for me. I think I was at eight or 900,000 and I was comfortable. I, I didn't have any, I actually, I think I had three was way less stress, <laughs> was way less stress. I, I was running at like 35% margins. I'm like, again, growing up with nothing, making a few hundred thousand dollars a year. Like that's a lot of money. And I could have just stayed at that level. But there's, a, there's something that happens when you, when you transform and you get past that level. When you make a choice that you want to work with different types of customers, you want to work with people who have the same strategic mindset, they have a vision for their own business, they expect something different from you, which is why they pay you more. They expect you to be a higher level of professional, to be able to strategically think, critically think, give them guidance, knowledge, experience, expertise. That's where the next level of money comes in, of, of revenue comes in. It's, it's like any other professional service. Like if I, if I um, use a, a, an accountant that's just a one-man band running out of his office and he's the cheapest guy, that's great. But he may be missing a lot of things he could be showing me. Or I might be listening, missing a lot of things I could be um, using if I had a firm, if I had a set of professionals that had a broader experience. That's the crossover. And most people in our business, I think, have a tough time with that transition because it's a totally different way of thinking that doesn't come natural. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. However, you have to be able to cross that line if you want to go past a million bucks, two million, three million, four million, five million. It's way bigger thinking. And it is a bigger thinking. It's a different perspective. And it's scary as hell for, for everybody. It's scary as hell for me to this day. I, it's, you do things, you make choices. You know, I had, I let some people go in the past week. I, br I brought some new people in. I, um, Gave somebody a promotion yesterday to director of operations that he's been here for 10 years. I'm making decisions because I need to be freer to do things like this with you and to build our company, our brand. People who can't get past the $800,000 mark, it's also because that thinking, that mindfulness, that careful, strategic planning and then execution, they can't do it. And it's not their fault and that's okay. But they have to be able to accept who they are and where they're going or where they're not going. You ask yourself the question, who do I really want to be? Where do I really want to go? 
It's a big question to answer. Yeah, it really is. And you know, that, that seven, $800,000 mark in revenue on an annual basis, we said that it's comfortable. You know, so there's not, there's not a lot of incentive to, to push past that unless you actually want to build something that really helps everybody else around you. Because you're still in that mode to where it's like, I'm, and it's literally like, I'm comfortable. Me, my, myself as the owner, I'm the one that's comfortable with this right now. I might be able to provide a decent middle-class wage to a couple other people with that too, to help fulfill the services. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing to do. Okay, it's, 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 it's a great feeling. You and I talked about signing the paychecks, I think one or two sessions ago. It's a beautiful thing because somebody has to be the creator. And you and I are creators. But again, it's the creators. Everybody can't be a leader. Everybody can't. So you and I found a way to cross over past that mark, right? And I think underneath it all, we struggle with fear and doubt. And I think that might be underneath it for a lot of people. Wow, a million dollars is a nice number. It's got a couple of zeros. It's round. It's a comma. That's a great lifestyle. Well, I want to go to five. Well, you can go to five. Anybody can go to five or ten. It's, it, anybody can do it. There's nothing special about me or you, but sorry, but you know, we're good looking, smart guys. Well, at least you accept that we're dead sexy, right? <laughs> yeah. right? At least one of us is. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the thing is, it simply comes down to a belief. Who am I? Who do I want to be? And am I too afraid to actually make it happen? And I think that's what stops most people fear no doubt and that those evolutions of revenue too i've seen very much with the evolution of the business model and now here's where we're going to really dive into where the industry is today in cybersecurity because shifting from that hourly you know the really really low hourly rates into a true msp a managed service provider to where now you have subscription-based services it's a you know you're charging per seat or per user you know and there's still people that i i see that are charging 50 bucks or even 10 bucks a user or a device right it's like our minimum's 300 at this point and it goes up from there because of everything that we're able to to do for that and it's really it's not based on what we're actually selling it's based on the outcome that we're providing and that's why we can charge so much more. Yeah, it's not based on what we're selling, it's based on the outcome that we're providing. That's it, and, and the outcome is more than just a techno technological outcome. You're delivering such value that you're educating, you're informing, yeah, you're making sure everything's working, but you're part, we are part of, of our clients' strategic plan, right? They were at the table having conversations, they may wanna reach certain revenue goals, that's great. If they understand, if they're paying the rates that, that we're talking about, they do understand that they need serious um, guidance when it comes to technology. And it's cybersecurity is a huge part of it, right? If you're not managing your risk, well, there's a cost to managing your risk, but the cost to manage your risk is a hell of a lot less than the cost to address a breach, right? People are paying these, these reasonable fees that you're talking about because they're getting a tremendous value from that. And, and that's what the next level is. Do you have the confidence to deliver the messaging that yes, we deliver real value to you. We deliver real value to you and there's a cost for it, but here's the reason. And that's the messaging I'm sure you have in your, in your sales conversations. Um, it's hard for people. I mean, the people that are charging $50, the, the numbers you mentioned, they're not having those conversations anyway, because they're not equipped to, that's why they're stuck there. And it's, 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 it's not, again, it, there's, there's a place for those people, but there's also a place for people like you and I. People need the information we have 
and they need somebody they can rely on that really has confidence and knows what they're talking about. And that's what we do. And there's a value in that. Yep. I affectionately call that group and it's a good place to start the, the plumbers of IT. You know, because I, I mean, dude, I, I don't know jack squat about plumbing. So, I mean, I, I appreciate plumbers. You know, I'm not the one that's going to find where the leak is or anything. I mean, if I see water dripping out, you know, through the ceiling from a shower or something, like, I don't know what to do, you know, and I, I don't care. And that's why there's there's professionals. And by the way, plumbers charge 150 bucks an hour. You know? Wait, can, I tell you something like, can I just tell you a quick story about Please, that right there? Yeah. <laughs> My wife and I are going for a walk like a week ago. And she happens to know, I'm always working, my headphones are on. I don't notice anything when it's broken in the house. So we're going for a walk. And as you walk out of my house, you look to the right, there's like a, a little sidewalk and there's like the hose and the air conditioner and stuff there. She's like, oh, by the way, there's, there's water leaking over there. I'm like, where? And I see water leaking out of the side of my house like it's running. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think that's supposed to happen. I'm not a plumber, but I, I don't think, like I know the air conditioner is supposed to drain a little bit, but I think that's what that pipe is. That's a drip. No, the water running. So I walk over and I'm like, there's a valve. This must be the valve for the house. Like, I, I, it's got to be. So I turn it and the water in the house goes off. My daughter's in the shower. I hear her screaming. I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> it. So I called a plumber. I texted a plumber, actually, that we've used in the past. The guy happened to be at the development next door. He's over there in a half hour. Turns out this thing was broken and it had been leaking for like five days. And my wife didn't tell me. She noticed it earlier and she never said it. She it was supposed to be leaking like that. The guy charged me $100. Comes over. And I'm like, how much? He fixed it in 20 minutes. I'm like, how much? He goes, 100 bucks. I gave him an extra 50 cash. Two reasons. One, it was a weekend. I understand what it's like. I get it. You know, I've been there and, and I, I, he's, he's got a lot of value to me. And I want him to, to know that I appreciate him. So I gave him an extra 50, but he was 100 bucks. So it cost me 150 bucks, like you said. And uh, I took the guy 20 minutes to figure it out, but he, he knew exactly what it was professional, um, reliable responsive, boom, 150 bucks. So worth it. A lot of people I know would have been complaining about that 150 bucks. Oh, for sure. And let, let's relate that back to the, you know, where I was saying like the plumbers, you had a leak, right? And that's what I look at that, that first stage that of evolution. Water. Yeah, <laughs> running water. But that's it, right? Something's wrong. So you call that IT guy or that IT girl and they come out and fix it. And yet they're still undervaluing themselves because they're only charging 60, 65 bucks an hour, whatever. But let's say they're charging 150 an hour. Let's just, for the sake of argument, that's great. But that's still to what you said is all they're equipped to do is just react to the fires and be a firefighter. So when you don't believe they're worth more, yeah, right on. Right on. When you transition into recurring revenue as a true managed service provider, that's when you're that plumber that goes on and say, "Yeah, I fixed this leak, but while I'm here, can I look at some other areas of potential risk that you might have? Maybe there's something else to where I can address this." Right. And it might not even be my competency, but I can take a look around. And this is the business strategy part, right? I can take a look around and see where you might have some other holes and make some recommendations. And by the way, I want to be this person for you. I want my firm to be this for you to where you know that your back's always covered before something even happens. And that's that business evolution. And now, so now you've gone from 150 bucks an hour, $65 an hour into MSP. But dude, now the transition to get over that million dollar mark, the only way to do that going forward is cybersecurity, period. That's the only conversation to break through that and continue to grow. It's the tip of the arrow now. Is that the yeah. expression? Yeah, yep, tip of right the on. Yeah. Every conversation now. It has to be led with that in your analogy. The conversation has to be led with it. 
IT services, managed services are a commodity now. And the price that you can charge for those is going to continue to drop because you see internet service providers like a Comcast offering managed services. And if you're watching on YouTube or not, I've got air quotes. Managed services are now $39 a month. Frickin' T-Mobile does it for their business customers. I don't know if anybody knows that, but you have a business account, you can tack on to each phone line $39 a month to get help desk support for your computer from T-Mobile. But that's all they're getting. It's important to point out, they're not getting anything else. So in, in, my, in my company, we're forbidden from using the word managed service provider. We don't use it. It's, we're, a we're a technology service provider, we're a TSP. But we don't talk about it in sales, you don't find it in our presentations. You rarely will hear me use the term other than to say it's a tool in the toolbox now. That's all it is. Right? So those people at Comcast aren't delivering cybersecurity awareness and talking about your posture. They're not delivering risk assessments. They're not delivering anything. They're fixing computers. If you want, got news for you. You're not a customer for me anyway. Bingo. Bingo. I love that. Why do you think that MSPs, you know, because you transitioned from the MSP into the TSP, which is the new phrasing too, you know, technology service provider to technology solution provider. Why do you think that MSPs struggle with cybersecurity? MSPs happen to be, uh, sorry, it's going to be funny. They happen to like, it's like a shiny object syndrome. Like they're like, <laughs> well, every MSP, everybody that I know that really runs a small MSP, they're so busy running from you know, whatever the biggest thing is at the moment, you know, and, and they don't tend to really focus on what's really happening, what the real issue is out there in the marketplace, how you can really deliver the most value and then stop and plan and put it into place and know that everything takes 18 months to happen anyway. So if you're going to really get into cyber as a service, it's going to take you a year to do it right. You need people, strategic partnerships, how you can deliver it update your agreements, what's your messaging going to be? That doesn't happen in two days. Well, you're so busy fighting fires all the time as an MSP, you really can't focus on sales, marketing, and developing something new. You can't. So that, that stops people from actually doing it. So they'll go, they got into MSP because MSP, because they had to get out of break fix. If they didn't, they were going to die off. Now they get into MSP, which is a very comfortable place to be. How do you get to the next place? Well, what is it? If they believe that it's um, cyber or if they believe it's unified communications as a service or it's Office 365 and everything under that umbrella, which way do they go? MSPs try to do everything. They try to beat everything and do everything to make a customer happy because a customer asks for something. And if that's the way you operate, you cannot latch on to something new and truly be an expert at it and deliver it. Oh, there's no way, you know, absolutely do that. We're doing a virtual comedy thing and there's a joke that I came up with here and I'm going to tell you right now because you're talking about unified communications as a service, right? AAS, you know, there's SaaS, you know, and there's all these, there's IAAS infrastructure as a service. You know, there's all, there's all these asses that are around, right? And it's like freaking MSPs need to just pick one ass and hit it hard. <laughs> it's awesome. Thank you. But that's the truth too, right? It's hilarious, but that's the truth. You know, because there, there's, there's no way that you can be everything for everybody. And MSPs think they can. MSPs out of fear. I know, so I'm, I'm talking about owners. Out of fear. Feel like they need to because they're at 800000 a year. They can't lose customers or they'll lose their lifestyle. It's all fear-driven. There's nothing about it that's that's vision-driven, it's fear-driven. And that's a shift. Now, you must have made that at some point. 
you, you make that shift to, all right, here's my vision. I'm going to execute. And yes, I might lose some business along the way, but I know that I can get more. When you gave me your sales pitch before, I was sold. Why? Because you have confidence. The tonality in your voice is there. You had the words right. And that comes through and you can feel it. And I'm going to buy. That's not common. And so these MSPs out there, they got to find that. They got to train. They got to learn how to make the pivot to something new and get out of their own way. Because if they keep chasing every, every shiny object and doing whatever their customers want them to do, it's not going to work. Well, I had a lead come in off our website two weeks ago uh, from a very large global company who they just needed some help with something they, and they wanted to outsource it. Get on a phone call with one of my top engineers uh, and somebody else and we're listening to everything. We can totally help them. It would probably be a really big project. We hang up the phone. I get back on the phone with one of my guys and we're both like, yeah, we're not doing that. Because it would take our eye off the ball. It would distract us because it would be too big of a project. They would be too noisy. We're just going to walk right past it. Maybe they need something else from us, but we're not going to do this. MSPs don't do that. They'd be like, yes, we'll take it. It's a $100,000 project. No, that project is going to derail my other seven projects I have going on. And I'm not going to do that. That's the mindset difference. It is. I've been doing that since I was at like 200K a year, man, since I was that one guy, because it was always focused on building something bigger and understanding your own bandwidth, you know, and just having a direction and sticking with it. If you're not an expert at it, if you're not good at it, say no. It's okay to say no. Yeah, right on. I saw another post on Facebook the other day that was something like, you know, I haven't been offering managed antivirus to my clients yet. What do you guys recommend? Bitdefender? And I'm like, oh my God. You know, because <laughs> this was in one of the MSP groups, dude. <laughs> I see this. But that's also the state of the industry, right? You know, because you move to the point to where it's like they, they were trying to be this everything is what you're saying. And they haven't focused in on what's actually going to help them grow at this point because the, what you're telling me, what everyone needs to hear Matt saying is that if you don't make this transition to cyber as an MSP right now, you are going to die, period. Slowly and painfully. And, and the fear that Matt's talking about is really what I understand is the fear of what you don't know. Because you might be thinking, right, and I'm sure you had this, Matt, right? Because you might be thinking, I noticed this years ago, back before cyber was as big as it was today. It's like, oh my God, there's so much in this industry to keep up with from a technical knowledge perspective. You know, and it was 2013 or something like that is when I let my, my MCSE expire, you know, <laughs> by choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by choice, I let it expire because I moved to the point, it's like, you know what? My skill set, is to where I can curate talent and I can lead the efforts and the energies of everybody else around me and I can put people in places to be able to do what they need to do. Now, I'm a natural CEO, you're a natural CEO, but maybe there's an owner that's more of a natural operations person. And it's also okay because it isn't just about cyber, dude. It's also about understanding how to build a business and it's actually okay for you to hire a CEO. If you're not the one to do that. So brilliant. So brilliant. The guy that I just promoted yesterday, I said to him, I'm putting you on a two-year track, which is the CEO mentoring program. So I told him yesterday. He was like, what? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to be the CEO. And when you're ready to be the CEO, I'm handing it over to you. I told him that yesterday. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I wrote something down when you were talking. The word delegation, which you're really... 
you have to delegate. We have to be able to get to delegate and to know that the people we're delegating to can hold themselves accountable and then hold people accountable that they're delegating to. The key to, to bending time and to having your time is delegation. It's one of the keys. Uh, and, and an awareness that you need to delegate and the people around you have to be reliable. Um, without that, you're never going to get out of the, the weeds of MSP. You're always going to be doing the work. You're always going to get sucked back into the work. And the fear that's keeping you comfortable in that is always going to keep you comfortable in that. It's a, it's a vicious cycle because you're afraid of success. You're afraid to hit the big numbers. And so in order to, to, to stay work, to, to not have to deal with that fear, conveniently, you stay in the weeds and you just stay at tech. It's a mindset that I've seen around me. It's a mindset that my former partners had. It's a mindset that is counter to growth. Right on. And for everyone listening too, we're going to put the, in the show notes to this, if you look in the show notes, the links of the other two episodes with Matt and I, because we really dove into that hardcore on there as far as the mindset and growing the business. And I talked a little bit about the manage antivirus. You know, what do you have? Because when you go to conferences and there haven't been live events for you know a year or so at this point, right? But there was a, a scenario at a bar that I went to because everybody was talking about this two years ago. It's like, what's your stack? Right. And that phrase has been around for years. You're laughing. Yeah. If you say, please go to YouTube and watch this because the, the face of Matt there was just priceless. It's awesome. But it, you know, what's your stack? And because everyone thinks there's like this magic combination of, of products in order to like deliver cyber as a service, right? There's another ask for you too. Cyber as a service, right? <laughs> but it, there are some, I feel, because even with what we have, and this is probably subjective, but there are, there are some almost non-negotiables, right, in, in those kinds of things when it comes to delivering cyber as a service. And then from there on out, it comes to your unique skill set, what you can offer. You know, cause, so for Reach Out, we can really dive heavily into internal threats. And that's because of my background with training from CIA, with having a private security company, guns and guards doing investigations, you know, and then having the tech side too. So it's just natural instincts. And now I've trained other people to look for. You can train those skill sets. I have, you know, so we've even done things, you know, to where it's been situations with a law firm client to where there's been a fire in, in the floor, you know, like the 35th floor of a high rise in the city of Chicago. And my, my spidey senses go up and like, how did that start? Like, oh, the water cooler shorted. Like, and then immediately, I haven't seen pictures. This is all I've heard so far. It's like, well, was it moved at all? Like, oh, that was the craziest thing. Yeah, it was moved from one side of the room to the other side of the room. I'm like, do you have a photo? I'm like, yeah, the security cameras that we put in, right? Because that's, <laughs> that, that, that's a skill set that we have, you know? But th then you see that there was like an extra wire that connected the compressor to the power supply. And it was freaking arson, dude you know, from a disgruntled employee. And then we were able to match up some behaviors with the tech monitoring tools that we have and actually discover the individual that did it just by, by an investigation using both, you know, it, just instinct and, and people, but then also tying it to tech tools that we had to look at behaviors and productivity to match up. That's a unique skill set that Reach Out provides. That's not something that every MSP or moving into a TSP can provide, but that's okay. There's still foundational things that exist, you know, what would some of those foundational things for cyber as a service be for you? For us, we looked, so we, there's two things we do. One, we do things internally. And two, we do have people that we partner with because 
we know that we can't be experts at every aspect of it. So I have two people that I do partner with for the, the more advanced things, but we advise network monitoring, right? So we put the devices in on site, look for um, anomalies, right? That's a, a big base for us. Obviously, real-time scanning, every device, big thing for us. Um, I say, obviously, maybe it's not so obvious. Uh, the vulnerability, the pen testing, those assessments, like at least twice a year. Like there's a basic package, a basic set of things that we say to everybody. These things don't cost much, but the cost of not doing these, I mean, in the six figures, probably when you get hit. So uh, at least quarterly review, I think this is what you're asking me, but at least quarter, quarterly reviews, right? And we have clients that just won't do it. They still won't put any of this in their budget. And I will tell you that some of these people that we've that I'm thinking of as they're getting hit right this past weekend you know we had that thing from Microsoft that um, that came out so we went and checked every exchange server we found two that actually had already been breached that we saw people doing things we didn't even ask our clients for approval we were just like we just went on and did it so there's an element too where we're just proactive and we're we're you see behind me the fire the firefighter plex right that's me there's a part of my, of my mind where I just snap into action and my guys were like, should we ask for permission? I'm like, no, ask for permission. Get in there right now and start doing what you got to do. We'll get permission later after we're done you know, fixing them and protecting them. That's part of the soup too, right? So there's a trust factor there. Our clients know they're going to get a bill for that because there's nothing that's um, ass. There's no, there's no as a service for that. That's outside the scope of things, but we just do it. And they, I've never had a complaint because we're protecting them. You don't pull up to a fire scene and have somebody complain because you, you broke a window. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I house I saved you. It's, sorry, I broke the window. You know, <laughs> that's an important point too because I, I've been doing the same for the longest time is not asking permission. You know, so some of the foundational that's things on our side. Yeah, for forgiveness, exactly. Or you just keep proceeding. And I've always thought, well, if they don't want to do business with us anymore, because we are truly acting with good intentions and with their best interests in mind. That's, that's it. In complete integrity, transparency, and authenticity. So it's, they understand that. And that's the type of the relationships that Reach Out has with our clients. And there's some things like, for example, we're talking about the managed antivirus, right? We use Sentinel-1. Right. And they've got a, a big, huge IPO that's happening right now, too. And, you know, like a couple billion dollars or something like that for their valuation. It's, it's insane. But you look back and they're AI based. So is Carbon Black. You know, those are the two best ones that exist and the only ones that actually have 100 percent protection rates on them, you know, because if you're talking old days like Norton Antivirus or whatever, or, you know, Trend Micro or Bitdefender like this post or something, yeah, that's old school and it doesn't work. You've got to do what works now. But when, when we had the conversation, I'll tell you how the conversation went with our clients. It was just this, we're doing this and this is how much it costs, you know, and, and then we go into why, right? So it wasn't even like the ask at the beginning, it's just we're doing this because you need it. We're shifting. There is an additional cost associated with this, but here's what happens if you don't because it doesn't work anymore. And every single time we've done that, because there's more things, right? Because there's certain email protection that's a foundational thing for us is stopping things and sandboxing them. And now we've even moved into integrated education and allowing humans to make decisions on each individual email. 
with banners that come up. It's freaking amazing, man. You know, instead of just no more quarantine reports and it's awesome because it's, hey, this says it's from this person, but it doesn't really look like it. Make sure this is so, some active communication that you want. So it's, it's training on the fly for every single it email. It requires user training too, which I left out of what I was saying. The most important thing, and at least in my opinion, is user training because at the end of the day, a lot of the things we deal with with cyber breaches are because users didn't stop and think they did something stupid and you can't protect somebody from stupid. Like they have to be educated and informed. And I always end, you know, anything with a client where we're talking about cyber with, we've got to train your end users. They've got to be aware. They got to know what to look for. You mentioned something before, um, and I'm going to tell a quick story. Hopefully I don't get in trouble, but one of my favorite clients, one of our best clients is using trend micro. And the question that was asked of me is what do you, and they, they have their own internal IT. So they said to me, what do you think we should do? And I gave my advice. My advice cost three times as much per seat as Trend Micro. Bear in mind, we're talking about a dollar versus four dollars. You know, it's, these are small yeah, numbers. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my advice was happened to be one of the things you just uh, recommended that you use. And they said, no, we don't think so. And I said, it's three dollars more per seat. Like, look at the difference of what you're going to get. It's not on our budget. Like, well, is a breach in your budget? <laughs> I, it's still, we're still having a conversation. <clears throat> Don't get mad at me if you hear this. I love you. So the, uh, if, if we're still having this conversation and hopefully this person comes over to my side of thinking and is able to express to the ownership, okay, yeah, it's going to be an extra couple thousand a month, but, and they just had a breach three months ago that cost them like a hundred grand. And we're still having, it's so some people you really got to, um, it's tough. Big company, you know, I think they're $100 million year company I'm talking about. We're talking a couple of thousand a month. That's got to be a unique scenario too, because they already had the breach and they already had the, the dollars fly out the window and they already had their reputation affected and they still won't move. You know, one of the bigger objections I see in our industry is like, oh, I'm too small. You know, it'll never happen to me. Or they're just going after government entities, all of that. And then it's always, well, you have an insurance agent, right? Well, yeah. Has your insurance added a cyber liability rider on lately? Well, yeah, we have that. Why do you think they do that? Because yeah, it can happen. If you have a breach, are you actually going to get covered? Because you haven't encrypted your computers or put MFA in place. What are you waiting for? Yeah, right on. That's another foundational thing is MFA. We've we talked about we MFA for everybody that we put into our cloud. You have to have MFA. And if you didn't have it, you had to get it turned on. We're doing migration right now as we speak. I have people in the field. Um, and, and we use Citrix um, cloud for a uh, cloud environment. And we, we require you use the MFA feature. It's like, well, we don't want to have to, you know, open up the app on our phone. It's going to take time. It's not an option, man. You, you got to do it. It's, it's part of the project plan. Sorry. No, I'm with you. What's the, the biggest cybersecurity problem that you've come across throughout your career so far? Uh, that's easy. It's not a technical problem. It's, a, it's an ownership problem that nobody wants to uh, put it in their budget. We, we, we talked about it before. Nobody wants to spend money. Um, if I had to look at the second problem, okay, there's a small budget, but it's not being increased every year. So we're still not doing the full suite of, of things we should be doing to have a posture that's actually strong. So we still have vulnerabilities, right? So it's always tied to money. And it's, I, I think what's happening, what I'm seeing is it's generational because the CEOs or the leaders that I deal with in companies where they may be um, a generation ahead of you and I, right? Versus the ones who are, um, in your early, well, I'm not sure how old you are, but the ones that are in their 30s and 40s making decisions versus the ones that are in their 
60s and 70s make the decisions, they don't actually want to spend the money. The younger people are okay with spending the money because it's normal for them. They understand that you have to spend money on this. And that I'm seeing as a huge barrier. There's like a line in the sand, like with, with that generational perspective on cybersecurity. And thankfully, what helps us with that is things like all the news that came out over the weekend with the breach at, with Microsoft. That keeps it in people's minds and helps us to overcome that challenge of, the, of not wanting to spend money. Because every time it happens, I send out an email from the CEO to all my clients and to the 20-something thousand people I have on, on email lists saying, hey, we're still here if you need us. You know, let's, let's talk about it. So the challenge is the money. It's the money. Yeah, I feel you. That's always it. And that's always the been the mindset, struggle. The money mindset. Yeah. And here's it, what MSPs will get caught in too. And this is another reason why it's hard to cross that million dollar mark is that mindset, that scarcity mindset is actually kind of contagious. So when, when you're in a, when you're in a sales engagement, it's like, oh, we don't have this in the budget. You know, this is something I always looked at because still to this day, Right, reach out has one package. <laughs> That's it, <laughs> you know. And it, it just it, it, and let, the only way it changes is if there's components of that that get fulfilled by an internal IT staff at an organization. But it's still the same outcome. It's still the same deliverables. It's just the work is being done or split responsibility. It's still one single package. And that's why I never understood the MSP side of things. It's like, remember, you had all these metals, you know, these, it was like platinum, gold, bronze, tin, yeah, yeah, bottom of the barrel crap, you know, (laughs) whatever. But it's from a sales approach, and this is something that'll keep you sub $1 million too, don't have those multiple plans because if you go in and they say, oh, it's not in my budget, it's like, oh, it's okay. I know I have the platinum, but you can take my crappy bronze plan instead if that's what's in your budget. All it is, is it's going to create problems. It's going to generate less revenue for you. It's going to generate less confidence that your client has in you because now everything becomes outside of scope. And now it's a contention point every single incident. There's a self-defeating sales process. If you're really truly in there to help people because you know that you can help them and they need your help, to not help them out of fear of losing the, the deal is what, we're, is what creates these, these, these low-cost solutions. And it brings it back to you. Then this, if, if you can't have a conversation with somebody where they understand the risks in their company and they can attach a value to that risk and they can connect all that and throughout you know, through this conversation where you're bringing to their attention the risks and what those might cost if they were to happen, not only that, the increase in revenue and productivity and time that they're going to get back by putting the right solutions in place and the right mindset and processes and workflows it goes back to fine. Then they're not the right customer for you anyway. Let them go to the guy for fifty dollars. I don't want to be around when this guy you know, implodes. I don't want to get those phone calls. I don't want that noise, right? It's it's because it, there's a lack of alignment in a growth mindset versus scarcity mindset. You know, scarcity mindset is dangerous. Talk about Tony Robbins. I mean, that's all. It's that's it's vintage. But scarcity mindset is a belief that is is very um, self defeating. It's very it's very self defeating. I, listen, I deal with a scarcity mindset every day because I, what I come from, I'm up in New Jersey. I'm in my office here in New Jersey. And I took the opportunity while I was here, eight minutes left. I took the opportunity while I was here to go drive by the garden apartments where I grew up. And you'll see a video coming out from me. I walked around and I shot a video talking about why I think the way I think and, and how it all started. Um, that never leaves. So I, I'll have a, a conversation with myself about 
I got to spend more money on marketing, more money on, on sales, more money. I have a podcast coming out too. I, am, I invested like tens of thousands in that already. It's kicking off in two weeks. I got to have a conversation with myself about spending that money because I know that I need to spend it, but the scarcity mindset always creeps in. Well, what if I lose a few customers? Well, you, oh, I always have that struggle, but the str- that doesn't win. It used to win when I was much smaller. The fact that I, I, I win that argument with myself every time it creeps into my head, wait a second, that's a scarcity mindset versus an a, um, abundance mindset. The abundance mindset is going to draw things to me. Things are just going to happen because they're supposed to happen because I'm putting myself there. So, hey, cut the, cut the, cut the, uh, cut the nonsense with those, those scarcity, you know, fearful thoughts. That's the guy from the apartments that grew up having nothing. The guy that's who, who I am today, no, it's abundance. And when you think abundance, abundance finds you. It's a big difference. It sure is, man. I, I love that. Let's end with this, because why do you stay in this field, man? What keeps you interested? <laughs> the same thing that has those things over my, over my shoulder. I volunteered as a fireman for 15 years. I never got paid a dime. I got a tremendous amount of satisfaction out of the, uh, the, the feeling, the, the emotion that you get from somebody that you just helped. And this, it's, this is the same thing. It's the same. I, we, we help people. And I get, we get thanks, we get praise, we get pats on the back. But what I really get is, is me knowing that I'm protecting somebody who can't protect themselves. It's the firefighter. It's the same thing. And that is a really good feeling. I could walk away from this tomorrow. I don't think I'll ever walk away totally. I don't know what the future has in, in store, but uh, I'm having a great time. And I, by the way, talking about helping the people that work in my company, I, I mean, not just helping them financially with a job, the mentoring and the coaching, that's my true job. I'm a mentor and a coach. And I had a staff meeting this morning and I talked with everybody about mindfulness, awareness. There's a guy I follow named Sean Ryan. He's a Navy SEAL. Look, look him up on YouTube. The guy's like, oh, it's unbelievable. Okay. And I watched something this morning at six o'clock in the morning. He was telling a story about getting shot at. And, and I'm watching him tell the story and I can see that, that, how calm he was. And he was actually making fun of his superior who was in the bathtub screaming for help as they were getting shot at. <laughs> so I'm on my boat, my thoughts this morning. And I'm like, you know what? Just put in perspective. We provide advice, guidance, solve problems. We get a lot of calls. We're not getting shot at. Stay calm. Be aware of your mindset. And I had a whole conversation this morning with my staff about how to stay calm and how to level set and, and how to just keep it together. Even if it's chaotic or we're busy, whatever. Stay calm. You can control that. And, and so that's why I do this. I'm always helping people and I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction out of it. Brother, thank you for bringing some truth bombs today, Matt. I appreciate you being on this new show. And awesome. so, yeah, we'll have to do a number two on this one too at some point because this was amazing, man. Thank you. It's, I had seven things I was going to talk about and we didn't even get to them. Let's do another one. Next one. You got it. <laughs> You're the best, man. It's always a great time and you, you, um, you, you touch on great topics, man. It's really valuable and uh, everybody should keep following you and tell everybody else about you. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot, man. Thank you. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.